Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. Heyo, welcome to episode 26, everybody. It's the trade deadline special, part one. Brendan, Stefan here as always, and we got some exciting stuff to talk about, primarily on the island. Stefan, I'll let you kick it off. The first trade, the first big trade, I should say, that happened involved the Islanders, local move, and they got their guy bringing Kyle Palmieri home back home to the island, which is pretty cool. It's always cool to see these guys return back to where they're from. Not only Kyle Palmieri, Brendan, but Travis Zajac sweetening the deal, and I'll get more into why he played a big part in this. So on April 7th, the Islanders acquire forward Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the Devils in exchange for prospects A.J. Greer, Mason Jobst, a first-round pick in the 2021 NHL draft, and a fourth-round pick in the 2022 NHL draft. So the biggest news here is the Islanders got their score and their depth player. You look back at Palmieri, he's probably one of the more consistent forwards. I know this year's been tough. Again, a bad Devils team. Consistent 20-plus goal scorer over the last five years. Zajac's your depth center that the Islanders needed because if you look back to last year, in the playoffs specifically, and during the season, Sezikis got hurt. Now you have that guy. You know, last year when Sezikis got hurt, he left before the Tampa Bay series was over. You have a guy like Zajac who could slot in at the center if needed, but right now he could play the wing as well. Right now he's been playing with Pajot and Palmieri that line to keep them together because the biggest thing is Islanders haven't had time to practice. And while everyone's you know giving Barry Trotz a lot of heat because Wallstrom's not in the lineup, but the biggest thing is there's no practice. Put Palmieri and Zajac together until you have time to practice. That way you don't have to mix in around with the chemistry. They already have chemistry. They played together in, in New Jersey. So it's a big trade. And I feel like the Islanders didn't really give up much. Now the question becomes, could that first-round pick have been given for a player like Taylor Hall? And Brendan, we, you know, I broke some news the other day that Taylor Hall, there was a trade in place to bring Taylor Hall to the Islanders on Wednesday night. But the Devils sweetened the deal by adding Zajac. And uh, Lou Lamarillo said, you know what? Let's do it. Also, to throw in there, both Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajax's contracts, 50% was retained by the Devils, which is huge because it allows the Islanders now to go out and get another score, maybe even Taylor Hall. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see, and they're a team to watch over the next 24 hours as well because part of me thinks that they did get their two guys and they're done, and the other part of me thinks Lou Amarillo has something else up his sleeve. But, I mean, they are now as deep as any team in the National Hockey League. There's no other way to say it. They have four or five guys who won't be playing on a nightly basis who could very well be playing in the NHL. And when you have that embarrassment of riches on both sides of the puck, that's huge, especially during a playoff push. The one thing I look for for them is when they acquired Pajot last year, they went on a slump, right? Didn't they go 0-7 or something like they went, that? They went 0-3-4. Yeah, exactly. So they got points in four of the seven games, but they lost them all. And – 
will they be able to generate that chemistry quicker this year? I think they will just because they're deeper. They're playing the same opponents. It's not like Palmieri and Zajac haven't been playing these guys already, right? That's an interesting twist to this too. They're in the same division, but you hope that they will go on a run better than that because if they do go three and four now, they're going to fall from first to third and that hurts them in the long run, but definitely a great trade for him. Uh, Palmieri only has eight goals on the season but you know that he's a guy that can score 20 plus goals every time he steps onto the ice. So that's a guy that playing alongside who will play with on the Island. Look for his goal totals to start to increase a little bit. Yeah. Right now until, you know, we saw a glimpse of it last game that Palmieri got some time alongside Barzola and that's, that's where he's going to be. I know it's his off wing, but he's going to be there. But the biggest thing you saw right away from Palmieri is he went right to the net, right to the dirty area. And that is why the Islanders acquired him because he plays a role similar to Anders Lee. All the talk about should have gone in Taylor Hall. They had a deal in place. Why didn't they do it? First off, and I'll let you talk about this, Brendan, because you made a great point. Taylor Hall is not a prolific goal scorer in the NHL. I'm sorry. He had one good year, 2017-2018, where he won the heart. He carried the Devils to the playoffs. It was insane. He will never play like that again. He's a playmaker. And the fact is, Matt Barzal is a playmaker. You don't need another playmaker on the top line. I'd rather have a guy that plays the Anders Lee role. Because that's what Barzal knows, knows how to play. Right now, Leo Komarov is trying to do that. And while it's not impacting the goal scoring at all, Komarov hasn't been terrible, but clearly Komarov is not the answer on the top line. You have a guy like Palmieri that's willing to go to the dirty areas. That lets Barzal do what he usually does, what happened early in the year, which is why the Islanders were so dominant. Anders Lee led the team in goals before he got hurt. And he was the leader for a couple of games after that, even without playing, because Islanders' top line played that style. Get a guy in front, Lee crashes the net for the rebounds, plays puck battles on the boards, all that stuff gets to the point. Beautiful. Yep. Now you have that, and then some with depth like Zajac. And the thing about you talking about chemistry is they have 17 games to figure it out instead of seven. That's a big difference. Also, yes, the hiatus helped because Peugeot had a chance. But at the same time, nothing prepares you, whether it's strengths or weaknesses, to get into a system. Peugeot could have come out of that hiatus and been terrible. You know, he's working and practicing, but it's nothing like playing in a games. The Islanders are in a good enough spot where they're fighting for seating right now. The, the likelihood of them falling out of a playoff spot is slim. Is it possible? They're not, they're not. It's possible, but it's very unlikely. So the fact is, right now, especially with Wallstrom not playing, he's a little banged up, but also he had no points in his last five games or he, something like that, you know, which is why Barry Trotz is giving him a break here. And then when the rosters expand, that's when you have the room. I know Ross Johnson would just put on IR. That, that helps a little bit with a roster spot. But at the same time, the chemistry should be there. And the fact that people are flipping out right now is a little premature. Given how good the team's been, you want them to figure out the line stuff now. And the best way to do that is to, you know, trial and error. If it doesn't work with Palmieri and Zajac alongside Peugeot, I mean, Peugeot is one of those best players to play alongside. He just gets the job done, which is why they're playing against with him right now. But you look at what the Islanders did. They gave up a first-round pick, yes. In all in all, that first round pick is not going to be a high, it shouldn't be a high pick. You know, uh, Fitzgerald, the Devils yeah. GM, who was an interim last year, who traded Green to the Islanders last year, they asked him about the trade. And he said, you know what? He talked about Zajac and Palmieri very highly and said, I hope that pick is a 32nd overall pick in the first round. I hope our guys get to go and win a championship and a Stanley Cup. That's awesome. I mean, I mean if you don't, if that's not an uh, unreal thing to say about, What's going on in New Jersey? Because they got they got some prospects. They got a first round pick and a conditional fourth. So it's not like they got these players give them away for nothing. You know they got they made their team better. They're a young team. They're not, they haven't played well this year. So you know you get this first round pick. If it turns out to be a top pick, which it won't, you know there there you go. But it looks like this trade was more of these veterans that have been around. And Zjack, fifteen year devil. Uh, Palmieri, a five year devil. 
they now have a chance to go win. The Devils did get a good return. So I think I think it was a very even trade. Again, as someone who covers the Islanders, this is big for them. They're trying to make a run. But for the Devils, they weren't going anywhere. If you didn't trade these two guys, they're both UFAs. Zajac's not the same player he was, but he still plays top minutes. And Palmieri's a goal scorer where could they have gotten more for him if they waited for teams, you know, desperate teams like the Bruins who need offense or teams like that? Maybe, but it was a good fit for both sides and it was a great trade. It was. And you mentioned Taylor Hall, and we're going to get into him in a little bit when we talk about the players to watch coming around this trade deadline. He will be moved. That's not a question of uh, if, it's a question of when. So uh, that is always a name to watch. And it seems like Taylor Hall is synonymous with trade deadlines. He just is always the guy that seems to get moved, which speaks to him and the teams he winds up playing for, I guess. But we'll talk about him in a second. There were a couple of other trades that I think kind of flew under the radar. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning acquired David Savard. Hasn't had the best year in Columbus, but he is a suitable you know, bottom pairing defender. And on that team, they find a way every single season to add, regardless of how cap-strapped they are. And David Savard comes in. He's going to play on that bottom pairing, most likely. And just to add to a team that already is going to be adding Nikita Kucherov back come playoff time, it, that's another a scary, scary situation again for teams that have to oust the Tampa Bay Lightning come postseason. You look at it as, yes, he was a stable for Columbus. I know um, some writers were talking about Mark Sheik, who we had on the show. Yep. Like he was one of the best players to wear a Blue Jackets uniform. And as an Islander person, I hated when they played Columbus because, you know, he's got grit to his game. He's not going to let you get into the front of the net. He's going to push you around. He's going to probably do illegal things on you. And he's he's the prototypical, prototypical John Tortorella defenseman, right? Block he's shots, grind you. He'll fight. He'll push you out of the front. He doesn't care. What he has to do, he's going to get the job done. And for the Lightning, I think, I think you know, the, there's no cap, obviously, after the deadline. It, you know, you could do whatever you want. I think it's over $100 million payroll-wise for that team. But it's not, you're not cheating the system. It's just genius GMing. It started with Eisenman before he went to Detroit. It's with the, the group they have now. And it's the, they find ways every year to bolster, to add depth. And they, everyone wonders why they, they play the way they play. It's because they bring in key pieces, but they find fits, you know, like McDonough was a perfect fit. Shattenkirk, who was terrible on the Rangers, perfect fit. Like they find those key players that maybe aren't the top players at their position, but they get the job done. And you're talking about the playoffs. Depth is huge. Again, why the Zajac trade, adding Zajac and sweetening the deal and the Islanders going for that rather than Hall just made more sense. It's because you have to look at the system. It didn't make sense for Tampa to go out and get the top defensive player available. They didn't they need, need it. it. Nope. They have You have the best defenseman in the NHL in Hedman who's probably going to win the Norris again. Uh, the Norris. And you just no. look at it. It's not going to be Fox. Give me a break. We know why, won't it be, why won't it be Fox? I just... His I numbers just, are better than Hedman's. I know, but you know how it works. It's never like – it's just – it's going to be Hedman. You think – if it's Fox, great. It doesn't – you know, it doesn't get rid of the fact that Hedman's one of the top players, defensive players, one of the best hockey players in the NHL. But again, Tampa finds a way to add a key piece that when you look back and see how they do on this run, he's going to play a big part in them winning. If they win the whole thing or have however far they go. He definitely will. And one of the more uh, questionable trades, right, where – it's a huge risk, high reward, is the Avalanche going out and acquiring Devin Dubnik. We talked about uh, Dubnik in the offseason. We were previewing this season. We said the Sharks going out and acquiring him might be the, the biggest mistake they made because now you're putting two questionable guys in goal. And it's really panned out that way where Martin Jones has been the better goalie, uh, I guess if you want to call him that. They've both been shaky throughout the season. But the Avalanche are going out and hoping that Dubnik can be a backup to Grubauer He's a veteran guy. He'll help Brubauer a little bit. 
And if he can regain any of the form he had when Minnesota acquired him behind a significantly better team in Colorado than San Jose, you know, maybe there'll be a little fire him going back to a playoff race on a team that's expected to compete for the Stanley Cup. Uh, he's not going to be relied upon to start, and that might be good for Dubnik. We, we know he's skilled. We know that there was a time where he was a Vesna caliber goaltender in this league, and if they can get 75% of that as a backup, they'll be, they'll be much improved in Colorado. Listen, I think the biggest thing they're realizing is what happened last year to Colorado. Grubauer got hurt, yep. and they realized that, you know, the backups they did have, and I'm I we never pronounce his name right. I'm not going to Francis, but they, he's not. He the, got hurt too. He got hurt, and then they had who was it? Michael Hutchinson. Hutchinson. Yeah, and he, that's never what you want. And he didn't play bad. No, he didn't play he, bad. They just the defense for Colorado and the just fell apart. And the goaltending again wasn't perfect. But you look at Dubnik. He's had a bad year, and we talked about it. What a dumb decision it was. The point I think what they were trying to do is push Jones to be better. And Come I guess, but well, I guess if you want to say that he has pushed him a little bit. Jones hasn't been as bad. And I think Dubnik definitely said, made him seem like, okay, you know what? I am better than him. They trade him obviously, but you look at Devin Dubnik last year behind a, I would say a better Minnesota defense than San Jose. He had a negative 16.2 goal saved above average. They year that numbers at a negative 4.5. Looking at how bad San Jose has been. You got to say that's, that's a, I mean, no, it's negative. You don't want to see that, but, Dubnik has been better. Yeah. And I think we talk about it. We think, you know, Colorado brings him on. Colorado's defense is top notch. And Dubnik's not going to be relied upon to steal and win games. Dubnik's job when he goes in, if he goes in, when he goes in, stop the shots. Stop the initial shot. You know, if something happens after that, the goals go in, they go in. But, you know, he can't get beat from outside. I think that's been a, a problem for him this year where those are goals that those are saves that you have to make. But again, this is going to be a better defense, more outside shots, less high danger chances for the opponent. Dubnik has a chance to be not amazing, productive. And all they need for him to do is just allow about three goals a game because their offense is their offense. They're going to score goals. He doesn't have to be spectacular. And I think that's also a lot of pressure. Look at Minnesota. When he joined Minnesota, they weren't a good hockey team and he brought them to a place they had no business being. Right. No business. And he dominated. And then last year, Minnesota wasn't great again, and he had a lot of pressure, and he didn't he didn't come up to the challenge there. He goes to San Jose. He's got to be spectacular again, not up to the challenge. He's at his point in his career. He's not going to steal and win. He's not a Henrik Lundqvist in his prime. He, you know, he's far from being the goal he once was, but he can still produce and get wins for his team. And for Colorado, whether it be at the now at the end of the regular season or in the playoffs, if he is called upon. He's got a good team around him. He just has to focus. And I think the thing for Dunick, it's been mental. I think it really has been. You know, we talk about, especially as a goalie, you get to have a short, you know, a short leash in your head about if you give up a goal. And I think for Dunick, it was, I got to be perfect or I'm going to lose in San Jose. And then when he allowed one goal, he allowed another and another, and they pile up. And again, it's the environment in which he's in. You're yeah. going from a really bad team to a very good team. Automatically, your mental game has skyrocketed because a team believed in you, a good team believed in you. And you're not going to be a starter, but you have a chance to do something great this year. And if that doesn't rile you up to fix whatever issues mentally is going on to be a better goalie in net, nothing's going to. So I think Dubnik has a chance here. Again, we've bashed Dubnik before. And quite frankly, he's deserved it. He hasn't been good. But look at the situation he's been in. I think this is a very, very smart move by the Avalanche, and they did not give that much up. No, they didn't give anything up, really, when you, when it comes to acquiring goalie. They gave up a defenseman, Craig Pattern, a fifth-round pick. The Avalanche don't need that, right? They're, they have an embarrassment of riches on the back end and all over the ice, really. But 
Another move that I look towards as somebody getting a fresh start is Brandon Montour being acquired by Florida. And when you talk about Brandon Montour, analytically, not a good defenseman. Uh, a lot of that contributes to Buffalo this year being bad, but over the last two seasons, he hasn't been great. And now he's going to go to a Florida Panthers team who, with the loss of Aaron Ekblad for the remainder of the season, needed to bolster their back end. They get a very mobile and young defenseman in Brandon Montour. They only gave up a third-round pick for him. Um, it, it, not a lot there, and and they are bolstering their team for really what is, to me, the most surprising team this year in the NHL. They're all they're up there with Tampa down. Bay and Carolina. I mean, they have Quenville behind the bench, who's just been a godsend for them. And all of a sudden, you're talking about a team that is going to be fighting the Tampa Bay Lightning and Hurricanes in that division for who gets to come out and be in that final four, you know, if you will, uh, this season and compete for a Stanley Cup. So adding Montour is huge. We could see, you know, a little bit of a, a lift for him where defensively he's not going to be relied upon as heavily as he was in Buffalo. That team structure-wise is much different than the Buffalo Sabres, and he might have a chance now to score a couple more goals playing on a team that has as as much offensive talent and firepower as the Panthers do. The same way we can't blame Hall wholeheartedly for his performance this year. We can't blame Brendan Montour for his defensive stats because, first off, let's say he makes a nice pass. If the Sabres guy in front of him turns it over and they score, that's a negative. You know, he's a negative 13 on the year. I mean, it's not all, you know, that's a terrible stat to judge. So do not judge based off that. But this is a, you know, he's 27. You want to say he's in his prime, but is anyone really in their prime when they're playing with the Sabres? Like, they haven't had a, like it. <laughs> no, you haven't had the chance. Like, he has never had a chance outside of Buffalo and the awful management they've had there to show his true colors. Really, he hasn't. So now he goes to a Florida team where he's going to be tested. He's, you're going to know right away if he can handle it. And my guess is he can. He's very excited. By the way, happy birthday, Brandon Montour. He turned 27 today, right now. So Hockey Reference says happy birthday. That's how I knew that. I don't yeah. memorize birthdays. I barely know my brother's birthday, and I'm a twin. So, you know, you look at a young guy, and I think he'll do very well. Again, Florida needed it. A defense. We thought that maybe Shane Gothisbury would go home. That's where he was, get picked off on waivers or trade for him. I think this was a perfect move for Florida. And for Buffalo, they have no choice here. They're going to have to trade all their guys that they can because it's just, again, they have, they think they have leverage and they might have a little bit because teams that are desperate. But at the same time, you know, they have to get, what are you going to say? We want Montour for third. We want him for first. Well, you're not getting that. Okay, fine. And they're going to trade him. They have no choice. But I think for Florida, like you said, Probably the biggest surprise. I think the biggest surprise has been like it's, Bobrovsky is not have to carry this team. He's Drager's been fantastic. That yeah. offense has been fantastic. One other thing we'll add before we move on from Florida is that it seems like they're going to pick up Nikita Gusev, a former Devil whose contract was terminated the other day. Talk about all these trades. Adding depth in the playoffs is the biggest thing. I don't know. People seem to not understand, you know, why trades are being made like this. What doesn't make sense? You can never have enough depth. Guess what? If you don't use the guy enough. It's not the end of the world. This is a, he's not going to cost anything to bring him on. And if he plays well and he plays on the bottom six, so be it. If he doesn't play a lot and he's in the taxi squad, doesn't matter. You have him in case. The last thing you want to do is bring a rookie up who's never played an NHL game and throw him into a playoff. Because guess what? Nine out of ten times, he's probably going to fail. You get that one player that shines like you know Chris Kreider, Kiwi Ranta last year. But usually they need time at the NHL level, especially the circumstances with COVID and all that kind of stuff. You want an established veteran to bring in. Again, why Zajac was brought in for the Islanders because he's been around forever. He knows what it takes. But I think for Florida right now, they are going to surprise teams in the playoffs. And they you know, they got to the dance. You Now you have to see what happens. But they have a coach behind the bench that's won before. They have the leaderships in the room. And I think they will find a way to surprise some people. But 
great move, I think, to acquire Montour. If they get Gusev, great move as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, we talk about it all the time, and it's very rare that the first line wins you a Stanley Cup, right? It's always those depth forwards. I look back, and, and the perfect example is the Rangers' run back in 2014 when they lost to the Kings, right? To get to the Stanley Cup final, it was a one nothing win. Dominic Moore, fourth liner, scored the only goal in that game. And then when they lost the Cup, the game-winning goal was scored by Alec Martinez, right? So not anybody on those two teams that you would handpick as the offensive guy, and yet those are the two people that played key roles in their teams eventually getting to the Stanley Cup and for the Kings winning it that season. But talk about, now, sorry, Before you get to that, talk about the Blackhawks. Who scored the game-winning goal? Yeah, it's crazy. It, all the time it happens like that. Was it Dave Boland uh, or Boleg? Dan Boland? It no, was, it was Boland. Boland scored with – that was when they scored two goals in like 36 yes. seconds to stun Boston. And yeah. the fact that we can't remember the exact name just proves Brennan's it's, completely that yeah. it's the depth guys that find a way. You know, and it's – it's you know, you look back at the teams that win Stanley Cups. You know, this is not basketball. Ovechkin won a cup with the Capitals. Guess what? He wasn't – you didn't have to be the best player. Everyone came through it. It's a team effort when you go to the playoffs and you need everybody from your worst forward to your yep. top forward to produce. Look at the um, lightning last year. Okay. They, they got goals going from the top players. Don't get me wrong, but key forwards made significant plays. Sorelli, a young guy gets the game money goal against the Islanders to advance to the Stanley cup finals. I mean, who scored the, who scored the goal in the cup final to clinch the game? Basically. Do you remember who scored it? Blake Coleman, who they yeah. acquired from New Jersey. Blake Coleman, who played on their fourth <laughs> line, was the guy that put them up 2 nothing, and all of a sudden that game was out of reach for Dallas. So it's always, always, it holds true every single season, regardless of who wins the cup, that somebody you least expect it is going to score that pivotal goal for you. And it goes the other way. Look at Dallas. They didn't get goal scoring by their top players. Kivi Ranta had a great playoff, and guess right. what? They didn't win the cup. You know why? The depth players came through, but not the whole team. And at the end of the day bad penalties, whatever it was, not coming through in key moments. Tampa was a deeper team. Tampa had the depth. Tampa won the cup. Yeah, and Dallas is actually a team who's has three games at hand on the Nashville Predators for that final spot in that central division, if you will, or west division, whatever it's called this year. And they are 15-something in 10. They've lost 10 games in OT, and they're getting Bishop and Sagan back. That's a team I would not want to play in the first round if I was Carolina. But getting over to that point, we're now going to go into two teams that we think are going to make moves at this deadline that we're going to be looking for. I'll start it off with Nashville Predators. They were initial sellers, right? We thought that Granlin would be gone. Forsberg had a chance to be gone. Matthias Eklund could be gone. Now all of a sudden they have snuck in on a little bit of a hot stretch, regardless of how many people have been injured. And they have gotten now Ryan Ellis back off IR for a couple of games. So that's a team that went from being sellers and missing the playoffs to holding on to that four seed, potentially sneaking in. Personally, I think they still have the uh, are leaning towards selling as opposed to buying. I don't think they should buy. I don't think they have enough to get through. But I, they might just stand pat now at the deadline. And those are three huge names who are coming off that trade bait list. Yeah, I mean, I think you nailed it with that. You know, you look at you look at Nashville, and it's tough. They're in a tough spot because you look at them in the standings, and like you said, they're not they're not in a playoff spot. They're on a they're in the playoff spot. Excuse me, they're the four seed right now. But you spoke about it. They're on a hot streak, and it's gonna end. And once it ends, do they stay in a spot? I know the Blackhawks are right behind them, two points out. Dallas really isn't out of it. They're five points out. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see because you look at teams, and when, we'll get to my point in a second with Columbus. It's like they have to decide right now. Are we going to make a move or not? Are we? Do we think we have a chance? And if the if there's a split thought in your mind that we don't, 
you got to make the most of the assets that you have that are UFAs, Brendan. I mean, we see it all the time. Some teams hold on to players and then realize they walk and leave at the end of the year. I could I have gotten a second round pick? Could I have gotten a depth player? And it, you know, and it comes back to bite them. But this is why you know it's so hard at the NHL level. We see you rarely see trades during the year. It always yeah. comes down to around this time because you, desperation. You know, I'll get to you know, Brent. You can finish your points, and I'll get to mine. But there's some teams where it's like, okay, we're two points out. But if we really don't think we're going to make it, we got to make trades. Yeah, I mean, they really do, and it. There's a lot of teams who are on the precipice of playoff success, but they're also going to maybe miss it. And decision-making has to come down to their GM and what they really think this team's about. Are you a contender? Are you a pretender? Or should you just hold what you have right now and wait for next season? Um, And and this is always the the cat and mouse game that gets played at this time. For Nashville, it's very evident because we just mentioned who they got off of. IR Ryan Ellis is a very very good defender. I mean, yeah, he's a he's a top. I think he'd probably say if you want to say top twenty for sure. I don't know how high he is, but he's so underrated. But everyone in Nashville, I feel like when they win, it's a team thing. But when they, you know, you think of Roman Yossi, but everyone else is quote unquote mediocre. We saw last year what happened when nobody decided to show up and play hockey. But Ryan Ellis has always been that staple. Same with Yossi; they're just good at what they do. Yep, they are. And so for Nashville, I look them and I say, hey, they're going to stand pat. Uh, do they think that they could get something for Granlin that's that's worthwhile? Maybe they move him, but Forsberg looks like he's going to stay. Ekholm looks like he's going to stay. That team now, are, they're going to push for a playoff spot. Now, if they make it and the seating holds the way it is right now, which probably won't happen because you have Tampa and Florida in that division, it would be them versus Carolina. That is an uphill battle for them, regardless of if they acquire somebody or not. So to me, I look at that team and say, hey, Stan Pat's the best way to go. Take what you have. Hope you make the playoffs. See if you can get some luck in there and, and make a run. But if not, you didn't lose anybody. You didn't make any rash decisions. And you can live with what you have and make some moves in the offseason. Yeah, so, you know, my two teams, I'm going to go with Minnesota. You look at Minnesota Wild right now. They are in third place in the Honda West. They have 51 points. They're going to make the playoffs. The St. Louis Blues are in fourth, and they have 44 points. There are games in hand one. The Minnesota Wild is going to make it, but the question is, how far are they going to go? We know the story with Kaprizov this year, Kaprizov, however you want to pronounce it. He's been unreal. Yep. But look at their center depth. Their number one center is Joel Erickson Eck. Then it's Victor Rask, Nick Bonino, and Luke Johnson. They need to upgrade there, and I think the spot to go right now is Nick Foligno in Columbus. Columbus, there was a chance Columbus was not going to make any trades because they were close. But you know, as the schedule has gone on, they are now currently in seventh in the Central Division. They have thirty-eight points. Nashville in fourth has forty-five. Is it possible? Yes, unlikely. And he's a UFA. He is a captain. That makes things very tough, especially when he's been. I mean, you look back at their upset over Tampa, even last year in the playoffs. Just the you know, his role in this locker room, you know, after every game, he's hugging the goal. Just, he looks like a perfect person you want in the locker room. But for Minnesota right now, they need the center depth. I don't think it'll cost much to get a guy like Felino. I don't even, I'm saying a second round pick. Again, it's a captain and Columbus does have a little bit of leverage because he is a captain. He is a UF, you know, they could get stuff back if they wanted to. But Minnesota, I think needs help at center depth. And Felino also plays the wing if need be. I think he's played the wing this year as well. But I, I don't think they have enough center center skill right now to go out and beat those top teams. And I don't think Felino makes them 
the team to beat in that division, or obviously we know Colorado, Vegas, how good they are. But I think Felino brings leadership. I mean, this team's full of leaders. You have Zuccarillo. You have Parise playing on the fourth line. On the back end, you have uh, Ryan Sutter, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dump. I mean, there, there's people that have been around to win. But I think for Minnesota, this would be – it wouldn't hurt to bring in a guy like Felino, just to another another veteran. This is a young – you know, you look at the team, it's old, young. You have Jordan Greenway, uh, Erickson Eck, and Kaprizov as your top line. That's I a, think – I think that before you continue with your point, another center option that kind of fits their mold a little better, a cheaper option, he, they, they don't want to hemorrhage their future because, like yeah. you said, that top line is extremely young, right? Luke Lindenning on the uh, Detroit Red Wings. Yeah. Now, people look at him, and, and he's not going to blow you away offensively, but you're talking about center depth. He's won 62.3% of his faceoffs this year, which is absurd. And th- yeah. this is a guy who continuously in his career can win faceoffs. He's on the block right now. The Red Wings are looking to sell, right? There's no question about that. It won't cost you as much as somebody like Nick Felino because Felino obviously has that captaincy. He's got that leadership, the pedigree. He's going to cost a little more. So if Minnesota is looking for a cheaper option at center, why not bring in somebody like Glendening, who you know is going to win the majority of his faceoffs? He could slot in on that fourth line, play valuable minutes, and be a good addition at a much more affordable cost for him. Yeah, so I'm going to talk about the Bruins now as my next team. It's a two-parter. So the Calgary Flames are going to sell. The general manager said, you know what, bringing Daryl Sutter in as coach, it's been great, but it's, you know, it's, it's still not a team, you know, it's not working out the way they intended. So I think who will be on the move with, you know, reading about it and all that kind of stuff is you got to think that Riddich is done. He's done in um, Calgary. Give me one second. I lost it. He's done in Calgary. Riddich, Bennett, Ryan, they're probably going to be on the move. So you look at teams that need goaltending. And the Bruins, Rask is hurt. Halak is on COVID. They have two youngsters that have just found a way to, you know, play well. But again, you need some, I don't know if Rich is the answer. You know, they have Bernier, Detroit available, another guy, but he hasn't been great. So Boston's in a tough spot. So could they go and get a guy like Riddich? Yeah, I don't think he's going to play. I don't think he'd do well. I mean, that team, you look at that team, and they've been dominant offensively, defensively, goaltending for a while. But this year, they're mediocre offensively. I think they're middle of the pack. Defense, we know who they've lost. You know, it's pretty much been McAvoy and depth guys you have thrown in there. So can they go out and get a defenseman as well? Who knows? There's You spoke about defensemen are available, Alexiak, guys like that. The Bruins are yeah, in. I mean, I personally think Josh Manson fits that mold. Big yeah. body defenseman there. Yeah. He's going to be on the move. You talk about Riddich. They have goaltending that, that's played well, and it would help to bring in somebody like Aridich, but how long are the other two going to be out? Because once Halak and Rask come back, is it worth trading for him if he's just going to be scratched every game, right? So it's I, interesting so there. The thing is with the NHL, we don't know really how long injuries. Rask's injury just seems to be – it just every time Lingered. we hear about it lingering, and that's the worst thing you want, especially for a goalie. And we saw last year he didn't play in the playoffs because of personal matters. But how does a lock bounce back from COVID? I don't think it hurts. I don't think it would cost that much. Riddich has not been good. And the other thing I'll say is offensively, as much as I want the Islanders to go get Taylor Hall, I think now that they have the retained salary from the Palmieri's, they could add him. They don't have to. But again, you're just making your team strong if you add Hall. And I don't know how much they would have to give up. Maybe a Bellows, two seconds, whatever it may be. I know Buffalo is willing to retain salary as well. The Bruins, though. Could use a guy like Taylor Hall, and he's been linked to them. And I think him on that team, is, is that too much offense? There's never too much offense. They, you look at their top line of um, Pasternak, Bergeron, Marsh. That's dominant. To have Taylor Hall now on your second line? Come on. 
That's great. And what that also does is counteract your defensive issues. Again, Taylor Hall has not scored goals this year. Look who he's playing with. Imagine him on the power play unit with those guys or playing with those top six forwards at any given point. That could be electric. And for the Bruins right now who, again, have questions in goal, have questions on defense, often it seems like they're going to have to win with their offense, not their defense. And if they could get Taylor Hall, retain salary there, I mean, Taylor Hall may be a good fit in Boston. He might be. Uh, it just depends on cost for them and what they have exactly. to give up because they don't have much. But a buddy of mine, Andrew Chalney, he hosts the Chell Squared podcast, just tweeted out that he's got a couple of sources who we trust independently who have linked Hall to Edmonton. And Edmonton's going to make a push for him, which would be a full 360 for him and, and come back to where he started. But that is a team that if you add Hall to it, that's a lot of offensive firepower. It doesn't necessarily help them defensively or in goal, but I guess they're figuring if you could add him, He's familiar with the system, the team that he's got there, and, and all of a sudden you can just outscore opponents at will. That's something to, to look forward to come tomorrow. You have to remember, too, and it's stats, everything like that. It's great. And if he goes back there, what what a what a crazy uh, – the thing is, he did have – you know, we talk about – people have said he's a cancer in the locker room, and I looked up information. You couldn't find anything except stuff that happened in Edmonton. He wasn't a team player. He was more whatever the case may be. And you're not hearing this from Hall, hearing this from fans. And everywhere he's gone, when he left New Jersey, oh, cancer in the locker room. He left Arizona, cancer in the locker room. Because he left. And no one wants to see a star player leave. If you can make any excuse to why it didn't work out, you're going to make excuses. Taylor Hall doesn't have to answer that. He just has to go play hockey. If he goes back to Edmonton, the one thing, like you said, defense. If he plays on the second line with um, Dreisaitl, or whatever the case, they try to line up. Nugent Hopkins. Well, Nugent Hopkins has been on the wing with McDavid. So you have to see the way they go here. But at the same time, Dreisel has been one of the, statistically, one of the worst defense, offensive defensive players. Excuse me, defensive. What am I even trying to say here? He's been so bad in his own zone. Two-way forwards. Two-way forwards. Yes. He's been the one of the worst statistically in the entire NHL. I'm not saying Taylor Hall is terrible in his own zone, but he's not a defensive mind at all. And is that too much to do? That, like you said, though, could Hall go now play on the top wing? Or how about this? You put Dreisaitl with McDavid on the top line on the wing. You put Nugent Hopkins back at center, and he centers Hall on your left. There's things to do there. Edmonton could surely do this. Makes him definitely stronger. And, again, I feel bad for Hall because he left right before McDavid came. And who knows what magic they could have had going for them if he had stayed it would be interesting to see i'm all for it but again i i do think that there are other teams that are i think boston the islanders he's been linked to toronto i don't think that would help i the thing with toronto is their defense isn't good campbell's been amazing in goal but as all things we know brendan eventually he's going to lose and how does it how does he play that game after the loss i mean that's the biggest thing but Tampa, toronto's always been the way you're going to beat teams by offense you're gonna to have to outscore them and if you bring Taylor Hall in, you have a good chance of doing that. It all comes down to two is Taylor Hall's got a no uh, trade clause. He can go wherever. If he, if he thinks that, hey, Edmonton has a great chance to bring you back, but screw them. I hate the way I was treated before I left. That he's not going to go there. And the same way, if he doesn't want to go to Toronto or listen, the Islanders aren't for me. Colorado offered him a contract in the offseason that he turned down because he wanted more money to go to Buffalo. That's a mistake right there. I mean, that might be the biggest mistake of the of the offseason for a player besides probably Duclair taking less money. But look at what Florida is doing. It's worked out. It didn't work out for Hall in Buffalo. So it'll be interesting to see where he wants to go. I do like him on Colorado. Again, that team, it, it's just not fair at that point. They're not going to make an offer for him. There, I mean, there's, there's no need for him. To. There's no need. But at the same time, again, it's never – 
getting more offense is never a problem. But I think think if you have to think Boston is desperate for some more offense and you know as we look at these teams that he's going to go to a lot of it most of those teams are not good on defense most of those teams should go get defensemen but at the same time you have an opportunity to get a guy like taylor hall it doesn't happen often for taylor hall in his career it's happened often but a player like taylor hall doesn't come around often where you can just go get him and for buffalo they need they need assets for him but at the same time he's had a terrible year it hasn't helped his cause at all yeah, but they'll get stuff for him because his name apparently it's, holds a lot of weight, which I don't, even don't really for, understand. For what, Tell has been a good player in the NHL. He had one amazing season that sort of has just followed him as being like one of the best players ever, and he really hasn't been. He's had one good year where he went off. He's been consistent, but he's definitely fallen off goals uh, scoring-wise. He's picked up the assists. Again, though, you, these teams are requiring him to score goals, not be a playmaker, and I think, I think the um, – you know, the script about him is, is a little off about what he does bring. Yeah, he's not a goal scorer. I mean, we, we talked about that. He's he's a playmaker. But if you put him alongside somebody who can finish, then all of a sudden he, he becomes valuable, which is what he had while he was in Edmonton with, uh, I think he played with Nugent Hopkins, and they had a pretty good one-two punch for a little bit there. Another layer to this trade deadline that we haven't really touched on because we don't know how it's going to affect everybody. I'm sure it'll pan out more tomorrow, is the fact that teams are going to look to acquire players that they can expose to Seattle, right? I mean, we do have an expansion draft coming. So a lot of trades that we see that we kind of just bat an eye at saying, oh, that's not going to help anybody. The reason they're making that move is because they don't want to have to expose somebody on their roster who they value. Uh, So with Seattle coming into the league and this expansion draft coming this summer, that's an added layer considering how good Vegas was after they had an expansion draft. So teams are going to be a lot more weary of that. But, you know, going into... Now, the players that we look at, obviously, we're recording this Sunday there. We haven't reached that Monday, April 12th yet. And there's going to be a lot of things that we're going to get to talk about tomorrow. But who do you look at on this trade bait list that TSN has or just outside of everywhere else where, where you say this guy's going to wind up being moved and we're going to keep an eye on him coming tomorrow at uh, April 12th deadline? So for me, it's Scott Lawton. Just what he's brought this year for the Flyers. I mean, he's he's one of those guys I don't think gets enough credit for what he does. You think of him and you think, all right, he's a fourth liner, but he's not. He's got the skill. He showed he's got the skill, and he you know he's perfect for Philadelphia. He's that gritty, no pun intended at all. He's that gritty type of forward that goes to dirty areas, but he has a score, goal scoring ability. We saw it against the Islanders. He had a hat trick. I mean, this guy can score goals. He reminds me of um, a Miles Wood on the Devils, where it's like, all right, that's a depth forward but at the same time he has a knack for scoring goals and there are a lot of teams that could use him we t- the teams we just spoke about if they don't get a guy like taylor hall obviously scott lawton is a drop down but you just look at he's got talent and the flyers are not going to make it i don't they don't have enough i don't think and they're probably going to be sellers and right now i'm pretty sure scott lawton is a ufa so if they're going to trade him they might as well trade him tomorrow and i think there are a lot of teams that they could get a good amount of stuff back from because of the year he's had and the couple of years he's had in philly yeah, I mean, that's a great one to keep an eye on. You talk about depth forwards. He's a guy that can score and produce in your bottom six. And and for a team that's already loaded up front, why not add somebody like Scott Lawton to your lineup? But for me, I look at St. Louis, right? And they have two names who I've been looking at this whole entire time, and Vince Dunn and Mike Hoffman. What's going to happen with them? Hoffman's on a one-year deal. Do, do you think he's going to resign there? I'm not really sure. They're struggling. They're in a playoff spot right now, but – I don't think that they have a team that's going to compete for a Stanley Cup like they did just two years ago. So do you look at a Hoffman as somebody who a team that needs a more offensive depth like a Boston could make a trade for or something along those lines? And 
for Vince Dunn, he's been rumored to be on the move since the puck dropped on opening night, and he's still there. So an RFA, young guy, young mobile defenseman, he can play the left side. He's controllable. He's an RFA. Why not take a flyer on him if you're a team? It's going to cost a little bit because of the team control he's got left. But when you look at the defensemen who are on this you know, list of potentially being traded, to me, he's got the most upside and, and the most team-friendly contract. So why not go out and acquire Vince Dunn? Uh, St. Louis is an interesting team, similar to Nashville, where they're close to you know the playoffs. They're smelling it right now. But do they have enough? I don't think so. So we'll, we'll see if they wind up moving those two players. Yeah, I mean, you talk about Dunn and Hoffman. That's just, I feel like we talked about Dunn early in the year and that he was going to get moved before St. Louis dropped the puck for this season. It didn't happen. Again, young guy, talented. He's shown how good he could be. Another name I would keep an eye on tomorrow. Um, sources told me that the Islanders were on this guy. Alex Iafalo on LA. He's 27. He's played in 37 games this year, nine goals, 23 assists. He's a UFA and has a cap hit of 2.43 million. Now, the Kings are really trying to re-sign this guy like they're in an effort to do so but if they can't they're going to move him and it doesn't seem like they're close to a contract just yet so again one of those four he's playing on the top line in la and that doesn't say much given what uh, they have and the way they're going about it but he's a depth forward and he could play top six minutes he could play bottom six minutes depending on the system but he's a talented guy that i i think if they don't have a contract by tomorrow morning they're going to take the phone calls. He's going to get moved. Now, I don't know if the Islanders are still – the Islanders are still in on a lot of people. Like, you could be watching players and not go after them at all. Yep. The Islanders are in on Hall. Doesn't mean they're going to go and make a huge – it doesn't mean they're going to be the top guy for him. The same way that Iofalo might not be the top spot because they have depth now. But Iofalo is a guy that can help a lot of teams. He really can. And like you said, he is a younger guy, right? He's not old. And he has that flexibility of he's a UFA. So does somebody want to take a chance as a rental and, and see if he'll resign? He – has produced in uh, Los Angeles, but he's also playing alongside some pretty good names on that top line. So that definitely boosts your numbers a little bit. So not really sure how teams value him and, and where they see a fit in regards to their lineup, but somebody will be making calls. And I think he does move before that trade deadline. You know, we, we talk about names that are not big in depth pieces. For the Rangers standpoint, I just wanted to throw this out there. I don't think it'll happen, but somebody like a Curtis Gabriel who is on San Jose, he loves to drop the mitts, right? Physical guy, 27 years old, has a lot to prove in this league. For the Rangers who just traded Brendan Lemieux, their grit is pretty gone. It's been evident the last you know few games where they're winning, but they're winning based on skill. And there's been a couple of times where like a Lafreniere got pushed by um, Matheson on Pittsburgh and no one was able to stand up for him because they don't have that type of guy. So to have somebody like a Gabriel who you can get pretty cheap and just bring over and, and say, here, you're going to not play often, but when you do, we need you to make an impact physically. That's somebody I could look at the Rangers potentially going after. But other than that, I think they stand pat. But there are a ton of names on this list who could be very well moved by tomorrow, and it's going to be just a hectic uh, hour and a half when, when that trade deadline starts to loom. So one other thing we should talk about before we end this is teams that could take on cap. Detroit, Chicago. That is a huge asset to have right now. Right now on the TSN's trade bait list, they have about 45 players. Number 13th ranked is Chicago's cap space. It's an asset. It's an asset. And this is a huge time where they can take on bad contracts. And because of that reason, because of that reason, they may be able to, be able to help their club because they could say, listen, we have cap space. You have to give us a little more, but we'll take that guy off your hands. And I mean, 
That's very valuable. That is extremely valuable. But Sammy Votnin just got placed on waivers by New Jersey. He's one of those players I don't understand. He is so useful for so many things, and I know he's not the best. But any, it's one of those players that bounces around to so many teams, not because he's not good. It's because so many teams could use a player like that. And he's, you know, he doesn't stay there long term. I mean, if he's on waiver, see, I don't understand. Did they not, they not think that they could trade some, like no team would want him? I guess that's the case. They must have talked about it with other teams and put him on waivers. Somebody better pick this guy up. Islanders would be a perfect team because it's they just, need. It all comes down to cap. I mean, that, that's cap? really what it is. What's his cap hit? Off the top of my head, I do not know, but I know that it's not cheap, similar to what a Gossip Beer was, and and teams just don't want to take on that contract when you could have New Jersey retain 50%. Right? I mean, we saw it with even the Islanders trade with Paul Mary, the, the 50% retention was key. Uh, I mean, teams are just not going to take on a full cap hit when we have a flat salary cap and all the COVID protocols that are going on right now. Um, it's it's just a crazy, crazy year and a half that we are, have been in when it comes to trades and free agent signings. So that's why you're seeing some some names on these. Like Kyle Turris was placed on waivers the other day, right? You would never in a regular season see Kyle Turris go on waivers because they could probably get something for him. Some team would take a flyer, but not right now. And also with the taxi squads and everything, waivers used to mean a lot more. You put a player on waivers, he's either getting picked up or going down. Yep. Now it's you have to put him on waivers to go to taxi squad. Doesn't mean that Vatnin is leaving New Jersey. Could a team get him for sure? He's got a two million dollar cap hit, and he's a UFA after this year. Yes, I mean that's not really a big hit, but why and take two ret- when you could take one? But if the Devils could also retain some salary as well, that's like if they retain fifty percent, that's a million dollar defenseman who is definitely, I think, a little more valuable than a million dollars. I mean, you look at players that have got a million dollars, Jack Johnson. I mean, Vatnin does a lot. I think he does a lot more than the the stats show. Any, any, I think any team really that needs a depth, if the Islanders could afford it, I don't know if there's other guys that they might want to go after, like Oleksiak, Goligoski, guys like that. But for $1 million, you know, if it's $1 million with retained salary, whatever it is, it's not a bad pickup at all, and it's very, very cheap. It's not, and I mean, we're going to be talking about this a lot coming tomorrow as well. There's going to be a ton of moves that get made over the course of April 12th, and you're going to see some noticeable names switch teams. It always happens on the deadlines like Christmas for hockey fans. And and it's going to be exciting to talk about. This is just part one of our special. We have gone through a lot of people and a lot of names and trades that have already been made. And there's going to be a ton more come tomorrow. You mentioned Chicago's cap space. That's going to be in play. We'll see if they can take on contracts to get picks as well. Just a, a ton of mo- mobility. And it's going to be a drastic, drastic 12 hours for, for these teams starting tomorrow morning. Get that coffee ready, Brennan. We're going to be on the clock. I know I'm covering it for Puck Pros, the trade deadline. You're covering it for um, ETG Sports. So, I mean, it's going to be it's going to be a, a crazy, crazy day. And it's going to be – I think it's going to be busy. You know, they said that it might not be as busy in years past. I don't think so. We've already seen a lot of trades already, maybe smaller trades. Palmieri is definitely not a small one with this Ajax happened before the deadline. So, we'll see. I think it'll come down to – was it 4 o'clock the trade deadline? You always get so. those – three or four, whatever, you get those trades that trickle right after. Last year, the Islanders almost had a blockbuster trade to acquire Miko Koivu and Zach Parise from Minnesota, but they didn't get it in in time. So we'll see what happens and we'll see what gets done and which teams are now in a better spot, which teams sell. But, you know, thanks for guys for listening to part one. Part two will be out tomorrow and catch us later on today. We'll be doing a live show, getting you guys ready for Islanders Rangers. It's, it's going to be a fun one for sure. It definitely will be. 
The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at Back Check Pod.